We live in a world full of blessings and full of curses. And the good thing for us as followers of Jesus Christ, the fact is we get to choose what we're going to receive and what we're going to live under. Blessings or curses. And we've been so thankful this summer for the leadership of Stephen Hartley and uh, leading us through 14 weeks of blessings. It's been uh, healing, it's been freeing, it's been enlightening. Uh, and, and if you're grateful, let's just thank God right now uh, together uh, for this, this summer of blessings. We call this the summer of blessings. Praise God. Our God is a God of blessing. He is full of blessing. He's overflowing with blessing. Now, this world is full of blessing and it's full of curses. And we get to decide, because we are followers of Jesus Christ, we get to decide which we are going to live with and under. Now, obviously, all summer we are focusing on blessings. And we are not interrupting this series this morning, but this morning we come to the book of Numbers, chapter 22, 23, and 24, and it's one of the clearest revelations of how to recognize curses, how to refuse curses, and how to replace curses. Because I guarantee you, every one of us daily are exposed to blessings and curses. And in Christ, because of Jesus, we have a choice whether or not to live under blessings or live under curses. But I'm telling you, every curse that has tried to come against you has met its match in Jesus Christ. Amen. And what we find here are three remarkable chapters describing the plot of two people to curse God's people. And these two are thwarted. They are frustrated in their plot every time. In fact, by the end of the third chapter, they are not only unsuccessful at bringing a curse against God's people, against their own will, they end up giving seven blessings instead. Now that's what I'm talking about. That's what I want. But I want you to know that your God is great at intercepting curses that are fashioned for you, that were designed for you. In fact, we can summarize the whole ministry of Jesus, that Jesus came to break curses and to give blessings. That's the ministry of Jesus. And that's why we could not only take 14 weeks, we could take 14 years on this topic. Now this morning we come to this passage, and really these three chapters are full of everything that it would take to make a great movie. This is a made-for-TV script. You've got drama, you've got intrigue, you've got evil, you've got good, and you've got humor. The humor in this uh, account is some of the funniest stuff found in the Bible. 
You've got a talking donkey. You've got a prophet who does not submit to God, but a donkey who does. And you've got a don you've got a prophet who, before he talks uh, to the people, he's talking to the donkey. It really is a funny script. But it starts this way. If you're going to lay this out as a drama, it starts off in the distance with a, a cloud of dust. It's a million-man march. The, the children of God are marching into Moab. And they're never seen face-to-face. -face. The, the cameras don't zoom in on them. But there's this rumble off in the distance. And it's freaking out the Moabites. And because it's freaking out the Moabites, it's freaking out the king of Moab. And so we're introduced to the first character, the, the, one of the leading roles in this drama. It's the king of Moab, and his name is Balak. Now, Balak had a buddy who was the religious leader who he would often pay off to, as a pagan king, pay off this pagan prophet to protect the nation. It was a form of divination or witchcraft or sorcery. Now, the name of the prophet is Balaam. So you've got Balak and Balaam. Uh, if you were playing Wheel of Fortune, it would be a good time to buy an A. There's five of them. Uh, two in Balak and the three in Balaam. I think I've got that spelled right. I sure hope I do. So you've got the king and the religious leader. Now, twice, Balak sends a, uh, a well-enriched uh, entourage of princes to visit this prophet. And twice, God clearly tells the prophet, don't mess with this request. And for a while he holds his ground, but then he succumbs, and he makes his way toward uh, Balak. Now, on the way, he's riding his donkey. And uh, the angel of God draws this enormous sword. Now, angels are normally invisible. So the prophet can't see the angel standing right in the donkey's way, but the donkey is given revelation of the angel. So the donkey stops, and Balak whips the donkey, or Balaam whips the donkey. And then the donkey uh, goes a little further, but brushes uh, Balaam's foot against a rock along the, the, the route. And he gets hit again. And, and, and so the donkey proceeds. This time, the angel positions himself right between two huge boulders, uh, the only narrow spot in, in the path. So the donkey knows he has no option, so he lays down. And uh, by now, Bal Balaam is furious. Uh, he's, he's the master of this creature, and, and sometimes donkeys get a mind of their own. They're known for their stubbornness. But this donkey lays down, and Balaam hits the thing again. Then God opens his eyes, 
but not before Balaam and the donkey carry on a conversation. And the donkey explains everything to the prophet. And then, then God opens his eyes and, and the angel speaks. And he says, you have not been obedient, but it's a good thing your donkey's been obedient, because if the donkey wasn't obedient, this sword I'm holding would have cut off your head. Now, now, what is that a picture of? It, it, I mean, when you got a snicker, you, you got to realize this is a funny story, but it's a picture of the length God goes to to keep you and me, as the people of God, from receiving curses. That was the whole M.O. of that angel. He was sent to keep the one from putting witchcraft on the people of God. Now, in the next, these three chapters, this proceeds three more times the king tries to appeal to Balaam, and he does so from now on face to face. But God has the prophet, and again, this is a pagan prophet. This is not a Jewish prophet. This is not a prophet who's ever been called by God. That's what makes this story so unusual. But it's a pagan prophet, paid off by the king to bring a curse against the children of God. And we know that this was not the first time because in verse 3 and 4, the king says to Balaam, Now I know whoever you bless will be blessed, because I paid you off before. And I know those that you curse will be cursed because I paid you to do that before. Now what is that? That, brothers and sisters, is pure witchcraft. It's pure witchcraft. Now, you, if you're taking notes, you want to write down these two references. Second Peter 2, verse 13, and Revelation 2, verse 15. In the New Testament, God says in the last days, the spirit of Balaam will come against the church. In fact, one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation is rebuked because they allowed the spirit of Balaam to operate in their church. That doesn't mean that Balaam was there. He'd been long dead. But, but the same evil spirit that prompted Balaam was operating in the church. Now, so we don't miss this. So we don't miss it. We've got a lot to cover here, but so that you don't miss it. The book of the Revelation talks about two beasts that will rise up in the last days and will persecute the church. One is a political leader and the other is a religious leader. Now what I'm telling you is, Balak and Balaam were, were prophetic foreshadowing of the final two that will be on earth to oppose the church. What we're dealing with here is a teaching from the Old Testament to prepare us living today to stand against the spirit of Balak and the spirit of Balaam. 
Now, now, there are at least four or five reasons Balak wanted to curse the people of God. And these four or five reasons are the cause of virtually every curse. I want you to see this. Number one, the number one cause of curses is fear. Fear. It says in Proverbs, my fears have come to pass. Fear opens the door for curses to land on you. This is why God wants to set you and me free from all fears. So that we don't have curses. We give no ground to curses if we can be delivered from fear. And frankly, that's the easiest demon to get rid of is the spirit of fear. Now, follow me. So the first reason for curses is fear. The second is pride. Balak wanted to be the big chief. He, he was the king. And he did not want anyone invading his turf. In fact, he said, pretty soon these people are going to be overtaking our economy. They're going to be overtaking um, <clears throat> our, our uh, horticulture, our livestock. They're going to own the place. It was, it was based in, in fear and in pride. The third reason for curses is control. Balak wanted to control the outcome. That's why he wanted, he wanted to receive blessings on, on Moabites and curses on everyone else. Now follow me. Witchcraft is the spirit of control. Witchcraft is manipulation and intimidation for the sake of domination and control. Now, you can manipulate the, the weak, you can intimidate the strong, but the purpose of both is to dominate and control. Now, because the children of God were so vast in their numbers, there were more of them than there were of Moabites, so they could not manipulate them, but they tried to intimidate them by putting a curse on them. That was the whole motivation. Now, the other factor that you've got to see here is curses often find their ground in wounds. Wounds. We know for certain that this is not the first time Balak wanted to curse the enemy and, and use divination. He had called on Balaam many times. Now, he, he had resorted to this form of divination and witchcraft. And obviously he had been burned before. There were underlying wounds that were festering. And he was now jealous of, of the, the size of the children of Israel and, and their, their mere numbers. And they were he was jealous and envied what they had and what he did not have. That all envy, jealousy grow out of the ground of woundedness. 
We've said many times, wounds and bitterness attract demons the way garbage attracts flies. And, and the flies in this case are curses. And that's what Balaam was trying to call down on the children of God. Now before we, we start making application here, I want to set the tone by reminding us that you and I are living in a time when hell has opened its doors and has vomited up on the earth a whole new wave of demons. Let me be specific. COVID-19 is full of demons. Second, that's number one, COVID-19. Many, many, many demons have attached themselves to COVID-19. And we're talking witchcraft, we're talking divination, number one. Number two, racism, social injustice, and the spirit of anarchy in our cities is full of demons. It's full of demons. The third is, this is an election year. Never has it been so messy. Demons have attached themselves to the political process. For these three reasons, we can see the evidence around us. We are today being subject to more curses in our society than any other time in my lifetime. I promise you that. Be because of these three reasons. If ever God wanted to teach us how to recognize a curse, how to refuse a curse, and how to replace a curse, it's today. If ever we needed Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapters 22, 23, 24, and the insights to be gained, it's today. You and I, as, as the children of God, want to know how to intercept and fight off and refuse the curses of our day. Now, I, I just have to uh, say a word to us about social media. Uh, our pastors know uh, our pastors know better than to get pulled into this. But, but, family of God, please understand: in all three of these arenas, demons have attached themselves. You are not going to win this fight by being dragged in and by making some, in, in your mind, some some needed post to, to counteract the enemy. I'm telling you, this thing is full of demonic spirits. We should know better than to try to engage in public discourse in an open forum on these issues. We are not going to win this fight on social media. We're going to win it where we ought to fight it in heavenly places. Amen. Hallelujah. There are curses that we do not want on ourselves. And, and I'm telling you, you cannot win this fight by cursing a curse. No one has ever won this battle by replying to a curse with a curse. If you reply to a curse with a curse, you've already lost. You've already got suckered in. God has a higher way. 
God has the strategy. That's why the Bible says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We are not going to soulishly post something on social media that will in any way affect the bigger picture. It's not going to happen. Why do we continue to submit to this? Let's rise above it. Let's do better. Let's do better. And the first thing we want to do is be able to free ourselves from the curses that are coming against us today. From all the witchcraft and divination that has attached itself to these three sources, God wants us to be free. Hallelujah. Now, before the end of chapter 24, Balaam has spoken three blessings to Israel. In fact, really five blessings and three or four curses against the Moabites. But God did it. He didn't do it. God reserves the right to curse. And He shares with us the right to bless. Hallelujah. So, and, and to continue the story, the name Balaam appears about five other times in the Old Testament, and we've already given you the two times in the New Testament, but it turns out that Joshua, one of Joshua's assignments, was to kill Balaam. Joshua killed Balaam. He took care of him. He got rid of him. Because Balaam continued to undermine the, the work of God. And, and what God could have done with the angel's drawn sword was delayed until God used Joshua's sword. But when you come to the next chapter, Numbers 25, you see a horrifying thing take place. The children of God who were blessed, we see it that God protected them, and even through a pagan prophet called down blessing on the children of God. The children of God crossed the line when they got to Moab, and they, they enjoyed the food of the Moabites too much, and the women of the Moabites too much, to where they were deep in sexual sin with the Moabites. And God had to judge the children of God. What, what Balak was unsuccessful to do, and even Balaam was unsuccessful to do, the children of God did to themselves. They gave ground to the enemy, and they received curses that weren't theirs to begin with. Now, I want to give you this scripture. If this is the only one you write down, I'd encourage you to write it down. It's Proverbs 26, verse 2. And it says, oh, it's so powerful. Like a sparrow in its flitting, like a swallow in its flying, a curse that is causeless does not land. Now think of that. A curse that is causeless, a curse that's undeserved, a curse that is inappropriate does not land. Now, uh, a lot of you guys are getting ready to go back to school. 
You, I, I, no matter how nice your classmates are, you will hear curses against you. You'll be told you're ugly, you're an idiot, you can't do anything, you don't deserve to be their boss. You'll hear it. You'll hear it. You will, many of you will, be, will receive bullying. But listen to me. Proverbs 26, verse 2. A curse you do not deserve will not land on you. Hear it. A curse that is not deserved will not land on you. You don't have to submit to it. Throw it off. Now, I don't, I don't mean to make this a counseling session, but some of you husbands and wives, uh, you, you may be in a situation where one might be in a bad habit of cursing the other. They don't say, I curse you, but they might continually put you down. The key is don't deserve it. If you don't deserve it, it'll fall right off. You don't have to fear it. You don't have to live under it. Hallelujah! A curse that is undeserved will not land on you. It won't find ground. It won't be able to stay. Just like the, the times where Balaam wanted to curse the children of God and God intercepted it. It never landed. It never stuck. So curses against you and me that are undeserved will not stick. We are free from them. Hallelujah. Now, there are, there are many levels of application. I want to start on the broadest of all. I want to ask you, how many of you during this season of COVID, of isolation, have felt a, a, a depression, a discouragement, a loneliness, a darkness? How many of you can say, I felt, I felt some of that? Now, look around. We're, we're basically in unanimity on that. We've all felt it. How many of you, watching what's happened in our city, ha have, have been grieved over the racism, social injustice, and the anarchy? Any of that? How many of you have been grieved over this? Can I see your hand? We, we've, all, we've all felt this. It's gruesome. It's, it's depressing. It's hard. I fought my whole life against racism and to see that there is still that. And then the way the devil is trying to hijack the, the civil rights movement and, and bring anarchy into our cities, it's just, it's wrong. Both sides of this are wrong. And it hurts and it's difficult. And, and there are demons that have attached themselves that God wants us as the children of God to free ourselves from those things. And then this whole political process. It, it, I, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hand. But there's been anger. There's been disgust. There's been futility, hopelessness. When we look at this process, we wonder the outcome, we see what's at stake. There is a heaviness. There's a heaviness over it. And brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, in order for us to think clearly, in order for us to see clearly, 
We need to hose ourselves down. God wants to break off the political spirit from every one of us. God wants us to be kingdom people. And frankly, we have an opportunity to rise above this. We all need to register to vote. We all need to raise our voice to, when we do, and we can lobby and do, do whatever else God leads us to do. But when it comes down to it, we want the kingdom to come. There is not one party that's going to solve our issues. We need revival. Amen. We need a move of the Holy Spirit. We need God to come in force over our nation. There's no way electing just one person, there's no way that is going to solve the issues that we face today. So that's on the broad picture, and we want to respond to that. And I'm going to give us opportunity before we take communion. But then I want to, I want to take it to the other end, to you and to me, and on a personal level. If, if you have had going through your mind curses. Now a curse, curse is a lie. A curse is a lie. Every curse is based on a lie. Every curse gives you an inaccurate view of reality. That's what a curse is. A blessing gives you an accurate view of reality. A curse gives you an inaccurate view of reality. That is bottom line what a curse is. It's a lie. And everything the devil says is a lie. So everything the devil says is a curse. The problem is when you believe it. When you believe it. That's the problem. And some of us have going over and 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 over in our minds curses that sound logical but they are not biblical. That's a curse. For young people, I'm ugly. I'll never get married. I'll never have children. I'll never graduate from high school. I don't mean to be silly. But the curses, those things that were said in a locker room or a hallway or between classes that stick and get played over and over and over and over and over again. Young people, I want to tell you, God never called you ugly. I promise you, if you heard that, you didn't hear it from Him. God never called you stupid. If you heard that, you didn't hear it from Him. All those that are attached to those curses, God didn't tell them to you. And for some of you, with, with what might be considered terminal illnesses, or chronic illnesses. If you, if, frankly, when you hear the term terminal illness, I can almost guarantee you God didn't tell you that because in the ultimate scope of things, you're going to live forever. Jesus said, he who believes in me shall never die. So do you think God's going to tell you you're going to die? I question that. But one thing I guarantee you, the devil wants you focused on your illness. God wants you focused on your life. I promise you that. I promise you that. So why are you living under the curse? Why are you living on what you don't have when God wants you to see what you've got? Amen. Some of you are allowing curses to define your lives. God set us all free today from that. 
Our God is a curse buster. Our God is a curse buster. Our God is a curse buster. I'm telling you, our God is a curse buster. He wants to bust every curse, every curse, every thought pattern. God wants to bust it. Those of you that are police officers, the devil wants you to believe you chose the wrong profession. Then you're done for. That your society's rejecting you. I promise you that's not what God's telling you. Bust it off. Bust it off. Bust it off. Bust it off. Some of you that are African Americans, the devil wants you to believe that, that this nation doesn't love you. That this nation isn't going to protect you. That your life is on the line. That's not what God's telling you. You live in another nation, and the, the nation you belong to is unshakable. And uh, God, you are protected. You are protected. You are protected in Jesus' name. Don't allow the enemy to put a curse on you, no matter where you are. Now, 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 the, the sources of curse, remember, we identified fear, pride, the spirit of control, wounds. Now, every curse has the same feature, and that is it's based on destruction. It's based on destruction. A curse is designed to, to destroy. You know the name Balak? His name means spoiler, one who waits or brings curses. That's what his name means, Balak. And you know Balaam? Remember hearing about Balaam? You know what Balaam means? Ancient destroyer. That's what his name means. All curses are destroyers. You don't want to speak curses. You don't want to receive curses. You don't want to live under curses. This is why today we give you Jesus. We call you to Jesus. It says in 1 John 3 verse 8, the reason the Son of God came is to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. To destroy the works of the devil. To destroy every curse. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, if you've had fear, I call you today to bust that off. If you've given ground to curses and getting in the habit of cursing out of pride or wanting to control your situation, today, Jesus calls you out. If there have been wounds in your life that have given ground to curses, today, I call you to healing in Jesus' name. And for all of us as a church family... Today, I call us to come out from under the demons that have attached themselves to COVID, the demons that have attached themselves to racism, social injustice, and anarchy, and the demons that have attached themselves to this presidential election year. I call us out from under those things. Now, for the first time in 12 weeks, I'm going to ask us to do something that I've never asked you to do before outside. I'm going to call us to come out here. I'm going to, I'm going to call you to come out here, but let me, let me just tell you. I don't want anybody closer than 10 feet. If you've got a mask, which you do, but I don't see If you've got a mask, I'd encourage you to put it on, and if not, it's okay. If you're at risk, 
a person older or whatever, I, I'd encourage you to stay where you are, but I am going to ask you to stand with us. But if you're, if you're young or a family person, I want to ask us to step into this together. I'm going to lead us. Would you all stand with me right now? Let's stand together. And if you recognize fear, wounds, pride, the spirit of control, I want to ask you to come on out here. I want to, I'm going to lead us. I want you to come. Come on out here. If you've had a curse going around and around in your mind, I want to, I want to assist you as you break it off. Some come right out in the middle and you'll be the first and then nobody will get within 10 feet of you. Let's keep our distance. And why are we doing this? We're doing this because this is important. We need to lean into this. Oh, I, I have chills looking into your faces and, and thinking what this moment means to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And just because you're not moving does not mean you're not moving. Many of you are standing there and in your heart you're out here. Praise God. And I'm going to lead you too. Thank you for respecting the distances and obviously families can, can be together. And otherwise, please, please keep your distance. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to, I'm going to lead us. You pray this prayer with me. Father God, you love me. You sent your son for me. And I receive the forgiveness of the blood of Jesus. I'm not the same person I used to be. In Christ, I am a new creation. I am forgiven. I am born again. Because you died and rose from the dead. And I receive new life right now in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, you know my heart. You know my wounds. Going way back. I just want to pause a moment. Give me a moment. I just see a picture of a little boy who was hurt. And the devil told you that your whole life that God wasn't there when that happened. I want you to, I want to just pause. Give me a second. I want you to ask Jesus right now. Jesus, where were you? When that happened. Jesus, where were you when that happened? I see a picture of a little girl. I see the Lord standing there with tears in his eyes, running up to you, holding you, pulling you close, running after you. When you're in your room, when you're behind the house, running up to you. He's been running after you ever since. Let's keep praying. Pray this with me. Father God, you know my heart. 
You know my hurt. You know my wound. Pour your love into my wound. In Jesus' name. Heal me from the inside out. I receive the love of God. In the name of Jesus Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Wash my wounds. Heal my wounds. In Jesus' name. Now keep praying. I recognize the spirit of fear. Say it with me. I recognize the spirit of fear. And I bind the spirit of fear. And I throw it out in Jesus' name. You spirit of pride. And you spirit of control. I bind you. I throw you out. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you spirit of bitterness. I bind you. I throw you out. Never to return to me again. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just hold your hands out and pray this prayer with me. Loving Father, wash away all the curses from my mind, from my emotions. Deliver me now. I free myself from all those curses spoken against me and all those curses in the atmosphere. I refuse them and I replace them with the love of God the Father, the grace of His Son, Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I lose joy in this place. Lord, we lose joy in this place. The joy of freedom. When the sun sets us free, we are free indeed. And Lord, you say, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Lord, we will not be entangled with a yoke of bondage and we refuse to be entangled with a yoke of curses. In Jesus' name. We lose ourselves from the curses in the atmosphere. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Now, just look at me for a moment, and I want to just tell you. This is an important principle. The curse, curse, and the blessed, bless. I'm telling you. The wounded, wound, and the healed, heal. From the moment you are freed from the curse. You don't want to just be freed from that. You want to receive the blessing. And from this point on, some of us need to overcome some bad habits. For ourselves, bad thought patterns. This is what this is for. Please, 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 from this day, become a Bible reader. Do yourself a favor and get your mind going in this direction. Our God is the God of blessing. And let's make a declaration. We're not praying now. We're going to make a declaration. Uh, And let me say it before I ask you to repeat it. As for me and my house, we will be a house of blessing. 
So we said, hey, let's say, as for me and my house, we will be a house of blessing. Hallelujah. Let's say it again. As for me and my house, we will be a house of blessing. Again, as for me and my house, we will be a house of blessing. Hallelujah. As for me and my house, we will be a house of blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's thank the Lord. Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Well, it's only fitting, as we go back to our places, it's only fitting that we have communion. And uh, you can go back to your seat, and you will be served. Uh, we've got leaders that will be bringing these. Steve Phillips is going to distribute uh, into six uh, clean, 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 six clean uh, holders, little receptacles, there's six of them. He's going to spread them out, and uh, right from the plastic bag that they're in, so we're going to put these into these other buckets, and then we're going to distribute them to you. If uh, by the time they come around, if you haven't gotten one, uh, wave, and we'll, we'll get them to you. We should have enough. We've got a lot of people here this morning. God bless every one of you. Um, but we should have enough as we sing together. Let's worship the Lord. And, and if you would, hold until we've all received, and then we will take it together.